0: This test is a, a a a piece that uh, that, I, that I've often spoken about and, and brought up in, in many shiurim since it really provides an unbelievable insight into into chinuch, into what chinuch means into into a, a major major problem of our generation that we're having right now and it also contains. In a few in a few lines, a <coughs> an unbelievable introduction to the Taurus of Al-Shamtif. So those of you that have been here for a while have heard this uh, uh, on the parenting tapes. I mentioned this also. This Taira, Nefesh HaAdam Ohevus <laughs> LeHisragesh. So the Rebbe says that the nature of the soul of a human being is that <clears throat> it loves. The soul loves to loves to be stimulated. It loves excitement. The nature of the, the, a nefesh loves, the soul loves to be stimulated, loves excitement. Now, lo al and it's not only for something, if it could be a happy event, if it's something which is very, very joyous, then that's wonderful. lo al ragam stam, Whatever it might be. The soul is looking for any excuse to have some stimulation, some excitement, since it comes from a place, it comes from a source, which is completely exciting and completely illuminated. So the soul is seeking that very, very much in this world. And that's why, even if the soul, even if the only stimulation that the person is getting is in something that which is sad or distressing, the person would rather have that. Oh, hey, faish, liros, maros, ayumos, the rabbi says. People by nature, we see that they, that, that they love, they enjoy. Enjoying here doesn't mean that it's, that they're happy about it, but they, people, people, um, do, are, are, are attracted to, he says, maros, ayumas very, um, uh, maros, ayumas very, very, uh, s- right, frightening, horrifying scenes. You know, there, there's a, l'havdul is a famous poem i remember when we were kids in school that we used to read this by by a jewish fellow it's called auto wreck by this fellow i think his name was carl shapiro but it, it's about how about how there's this this strange this bizarre behavior in people that, that when there's some sort of a when there's a, when, when there's an accident when there's a wreck depending upon how gory and horrible it is it'll back up all the traffic on the other side where people everybody has to stop and, and and take a look everybody stops and takes a look people are very very much you have people and and uh i've mentioned this very often you'll have people will stand around if there's there's you have some some people that they'll talk about you can never go in uh, you can never have a conversation for more than five minutes ten minutes and they'll say no did you hear that so and so uh, had a heart attack and the person is, is genuinely upset about it but the interest that the olam has and the excitement and i don't mean this It's not meant in a bad way there's something exciting it's, it's different it's different in other words there's a monotony of life things are boring and and here we have something that is different and whether it's good or has is bad but people are drawn are attracted to hearing or to seeing things that are perhaps are perhaps horrifying and he says, to hear, also, if you tell, if you tell something, if you, you know, horror stories, or even with little kids, right, around the campfire, a you come to a class, everybody wants to hear, you'll ask Jewish kids, what would you like to talk about? Gilgulim you know, reincarnations, nobody wants to talk about the Lama Tes you know, everybody wants to talk about scary things, interesting things, things that stimulate, things that shock, radical, things that shake the system up because the soul is longing for stimulation so so that whole that whole genre of, of books you know movies and horror things and scary things I've mentioned in this year when I talk about this uh amusement parks the whole part also the whole business of an amusement park what's the what, what does it mean and I've mentioned this you know that that my uh that I, I personally never cared for these uh for the rides even even you know, as a kid with my friends, I really dreaded them. But you had to go, you know. If you didn't go, it was like a sort of uh, rite of passage. You know, you had to go on on the rides. I, I'm not sure if any of us really enjoyed it. There was like one Meshuggah that you know, loved it, but the rest of us, I'm not sure we really cared. But honestly, I got sick and I hated going. But I used to, you know, the chaver went, you went. That's the way it is. But I see, you know, there are my my daughters, I, I, I see my kids. You know, one in particular that when we go to these, when we go to one of our uh, chalumot outings over the years, so so I've met, so they, so I have my daughter. There was this ride that she went on. She went. She was going every time it ended. She went right back to the line. It was one of these things where it dropped all of a sudden, like you know, 500 feet, and I couldn't even look at it. And every time she came out, so I said, I said, I went over. To her, I said, Cyril, what is it? What do you, what do you enjoy so much about? What is it that you? She says, Daddy, you don't understand. We almost died. We almost died. So I said, that's something which is good. So she said, she said, it's great. Come on, Daddy. Come on, Daddy. You know, you too could almost die. You know, so. It, it's strange, and much has been written about this need of the soul to have to have some thrill, to have some excitement. We see these people uh, we were we this past on a like on a rubber band. I forgot what it's called. Uh, jumping I see these people and and they and they're screaming and crying,, you know everybody's nervous screaming crying, and then and they' but they're paying they're paying for a jump uh, thirteen bucks to do that. And and what people will do, and the risks that people will take, is just to be stimulated. Just because they, it's, it, it's unbearable to go on with the monotony and, and with the lifelessness uh, of what we've been experiencing until now.
1: Some people are responsible for they take days to go to the most frightening movies they can possibly find. And they sit there, while...
0: Oh, sure. Of course. Uh, you don't remember. I remember what was the, the, when that movie came out so, uh, all those years ago, The Exorcist, right? I mentioned those. And, 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 uh, so we had, there were a couple of guys that was like this sneak preview. And at that time, we didn't know what it was about. You know, we heard it was like a really neat thing, but we didn't know what it was about. So nowadays, I'm sure the kids would laugh at that, the, you know, would we'll laugh at, the, uh, at that movie. It would be nothing. But, but back then, that was, it, it was, it was horrifying. It was absolutely horrifying. And and um, and I remember, so we were all like walking. We were all like sick and, and and dizzy, and we're walking out. And then there was the next line of people that were coming in, and you, they and they were looking to check to see how we're doing because they heard, you know, there's something. so they're looking at us, and, and we're all saying, it's, on, it's great. This is on, you got it. This is great. You're gonna love it. And we're like we're holding on, walking out. we 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 we're, were literally, you know, nauseated and sick by the whole sickened by the whole thing. But the Rebbe says, you see, this is <laughs> This is a need. There's a need of the soul. <laughs> like all other needs of the soul. Remember, the soul of a person demands, demands thrills, demands excitement, demands stimulation. Therefore, <laughs> This is to see what kind of a profound insight the Rebbe has into, into who we are and, and to understand what's going on in our generation. He says, therefore, there's a quota. The soul demands a quota of excitement. So there's a wise person who will fill this quota that the soul demands. How? With his rakshus atar vatvila. That this person's davening, this person's learning, be filled with excitement. The learning will be with a brand. The davening will be with a fire. This is a person shreim who guards his soul. This is a wise person that 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 he seeks to satisfy the demand of the soul. His way of seeking the satisfaction for the soul is dafke, entire and tvila. I mean, our, our grandparents, our great grandparents did not have Game Boys, and they didn't have television, they didn't have radio, they didn't have, they didn't have, uh, all the exciting things that our, that we see our generation is living for, hollishing to get their hands on. Our ancestors didn't have it. And, and in fact, and in fact, uh, it was pretty boring. It was pretty boring. I mean, there was the fear, of, there was the fear of, of a pogrom. There was the fear of death that was hanging over their heads at all times. But the day-to-day life was, was, was non-stimulating. Those Jews that sought, that's why, that's why the, the, the kids nowadays, the kids nowadays, they have so many things to stimulate them. They have so many things to excite them. That if we don't learn with them Torah in a way that's exciting and stimulating, we've lost them, God forbid. Because the Rebbe is saying that the soul demands this excitement. It demands stimulation. So when cook when Rav Cook wrote at the beginning of the of the last century, Rav Cook wrote how if you're going to live at a time where secular education is very sophisticated, and you're not going to have sophistication in the study of Torah. So he said, Woe to that generation, what's going to happen to those children? They're going to leave the world of Torah to seek stimulation elsewhere. It's that simple. They're going to look for it somewhere else. So the idea that you could just say, you could just do the same thing that you've always done put your hand in the, put your finger in the Gemara, be quiet, look inside, repeat a thousand times, and expect the kids not to be fascinated by the things that are much more stimulating than a Gemara that they feel oftentimes is totally irrelevant. If the Rebbe is a Rebbe, you can show how relevant it is. And it could be together with what? With nigunim and rikudim, and with singing and with dancing, and with stories, and with what? And with, and with teachings, the swarm even to little children that there should be a taste of the beauty and the depth and the excitement of Torah. And even if that gemara could be, could be shown to be what it truly is, which is unbelievably exciting. And to explain with the And to bring up a certain modern shayla and how it affects them and how, if not, look what the Rebbe says, what happens came. Nisha below his structure. See what happens to a Jew who's avodas Hashem is without excitement, right? Without excitement. So you go into a typical shul these days. When it comes to the davening, it's without any shirakshus at all. What kind of excitement is the davening? If there's anything exciting, it's what they're talking about during davening. But the davening itself is not exciting. The davening is not exciting. It's not. It's without any shirakshus. It's without any feeling. It's without any emotion. The davening is absolutely cold. And then they hear, and then it's time for drasha. And whoever didn't manage to escape and was locked into the prison of the shul and couldn't get to their little to their little uh, kiddish club or wherever else they were running to to take care of the kids or to, or to check to see how the wife is doing and so on. So one of the misfortunate, one of the one of the uh, uh, people who was stuck in shul, and, and then they hear the rabbi gets up and Nachamal, just like the davening is totally unstimulating, gets up and darshans about something to to spend, you know. Uh, 20 minutes, a half hour, trying to prove that possibly good Beis and Gimel Ketake work out together, and that's the whole drasha. And the person goes on like this: Jews, religious Jews, day after day, year after year, with nothing Jewish that's stimulating them. So the greatest thrill they'll have in their life is that they, you know, they could uh, if there's some interesting article in the Jewish press. Honey, did you see this? You know, the Jewish Week. This is the this is the Jewish thrill that they get. <clears throat> or there's some, you know, there's there's some something exciting in the news. or something that came, you know, something a Jewish movie that came out. That's taka that stimulating. That's something exciting or a good book. But as but as far as when it comes to learning, when it comes to davening, there's no hysterics at all. The average Orthodox Jew in America goes his entire life with hardly a moment of stimulation when it comes to Yiddishkeit. Okay? Hardly a moment. And mean, Mela, the Kashas, why do people, why are people not interested in davening? And the rabbi gets up and shushkas everybody and stop talking, stop talking, stop talking. <coughs> if the davening would be with the histrakshis, these are Jews. If the learning would be with the histrakshis, with the, with the would be stimulating, would be exciting. So then people wouldn't need to be stimulated by stupid conversation. That's why you find it in shul, people will engage in conversations that they normally would even bother with. Because, reverse from anything I can get except save me from the siddha. People will talk about things. They, they'll talk to people that they would never talk to outside of shul. And they'll talk about narish kaiten that they would even bother with. They're too busy. They would never bother with outside of shul. But since their whole of Hashem is completely non-stimulating, so therefore they can't bear, they can't bear the boredom. They're worse than the kids. They can't bear the boredom of being in shul. And therefore anything that they could find that's interesting. If it wouldn't be if it wouldn't be a if it wouldn't be a Shoyim Shabbos chevr, uh, they, they would you know they would have films and shul for sure on Shabbos, show some sort of a film, do something, right? But learning and davening, is, learning and davening is without any distractions. So the Rabbi says, below for that Jew who can't fill the quota. Who can't find stimulation, satisfaction, and excitement in his davening, in his learning, in his mitzvahs. What happens to that person? So the Rebbe says, He says, Then the soul will seek excitement elsewhere. It'll look for stimulation someplace else. Zolot, cheap stimulation. Zolot, cheap. And even disgusting forms of stimulation. How could you compare? How could this in this kid's mind? How could he compare the way his rebbe talks to the way that the young lady talks uh, in his little chat group on the internet? How could he even compare? It? How, the rebbe's the rebbe loses right away. You know what we're competing with? It's not the same thing that our grandparents were competing with, or when we were being raised. What well, was the big competition? But you know what? Uh, what our nowadays? Nowadays, if we want to raise children. That are, that are good Jews, what, do, you, do you realize? We do realize what are we competing with? What are the kids what are the kids being stimulated by? What are they, what are they hearing? What are they, what are they seeing? Things that our grandparents and great grandparents never ever ever imagined. So there are a million things to stimulate the kids. and, and, and it's one thing it's one thing if that child is stimulated by uh, you know by an interesting article or stimulated by uh, a secular book, science or whatever it might be history, and Kulei Ha, you know, you, you you could count yourselves among the fortunate. But nowadays, very often, that's not going to satisfy the kid either. It's not going to satisfy the kid either. <clears throat> so nowadays, every Rebbe has to be an entertainer. Every rebbe has to be an entertainer. And school has to be a theater. And every parent, every parent has to come up with all kinds of hamzat all kinds of creative ways of keeping his kids interested. And uh, and uh, and uh, your kid could tell you. Let's say The kid says, "What are we doing?" You say, I know you're playing stickball." So we used to do, right? I never went anywhere. The truth is, my father worked chalumay. My father worked chalumay. My mother went in to help my father. Here's a ball. Figure something out. That was basically it. Know, what do you need? You have a couple of guys, a couple of friends. You get you find a wall someplace. You draw you draw a, a, a square on it. And you throw it. And you hit. Them. We had a lot of fun. I think we had a lot more fun than the kids have nowadays. A lot more fun, and I'm not talking about you know I'm not talking about 80 years ago. We had a lot more fun than the kids have nowadays. All the all the little machines, and all the places, an expensive place. You go to these, you take them to these, you walk into these uh, arcades, you know. <coughs> you're, 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 you're attacked by the sounds, by the noise, and the, and and you you light you dish out in five minutes a hundred bucks, and the kids on the way back in the car have filled with with tiners. So what did we have? What was the competition? There wasn't such a hasaga. There wasn't such a hasaga. Like what, you know, and if a kid, uh, let's say, like Pesach was a long column, what happens? What happens if every day you didn't find something? So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? The kids? the kids are wondering how, in other words, what they're saying is how are we going to fill our quota of stimulation today, of column stimulation, which has got to be for the family at least $100, $200 in order for us to be stimulated. How are we going to fill that? <clears throat> and, and the parents that are schlepping their kids around the world. Little pitzalach I never went past New Jersey growing up. And everybody's, and even then that was like a major outing. And everybody now, where are we going? Where are we going? It's not fair. My friend went to California. You, if you want to be a good parent, you better take him to California. It's not happening for me over here in New York. I've already seen everything here and there's nothing doing over here. So this is the situation we're in. If you're wondering what's happening to the kids, why they're going off, we're losing. We're losing the battle. We're not stimulating. We're not exciting them. Our Yiddish kite, they come on them, they see a father and a mother that their Yiddish kite is dead, is boring, has no meaning, no excitement. doesn't mean anything. doesn't mean anything. So so the children are not stupid. They're making a choice. Everybody wants to be excited. Everybody wants to have stimulation. Everybody wants to have a thrill. So they quickly size up. The kids very quickly size up that if I'm going to be like my parents or grandparents, I'm going to be bored the rest of my life. There's nothing, there's there's no fun over here. There's nothing exciting about it. Davening is this. They don't see any hisraxis. They don't see anybody being moved or inspired. They don't see anything happening. It's not like they're growing up going Friday night, you know, to a tish and by a rebbe and, and feeling something. They don't see anything. Go on this. They see that every time, they see that every time the rabbi gets up there, then they're like, then they're like uh, 300 people rolling their eyes. Oh no, here we go. So what do the kids think? They think, they, they, they're brought up from the earliest age knowing that this is not it. This is not it. But when, but when, but when it's a, a, a World Series or a Super Bowl or something else, then they see it. never never see their father rolling your eyes when it comes to something stupid. Anything stupid in the world, they see the father's all excited. So the kids are learning. That's all. They learn that this is what. And if you're lucky, they'll grow up to be nominally Orthodox Jews that will go to an Orthodox congregation and and spend their whole lives talking about stupid things in shul the way like the way, the way that many other people do. They'll be Orthodox if you're lucky, because they might not be. They they're embarrassed to break away. You know. But what is it they, what is it that they find in orthodoxy? What is it really that, what do they get out of it? What, mostly, if there was a way out like it says next week in the parish, chazal, me for they would be like children running away from school. The way the kids leave school after the last day, and they run to camp to have a good time. If, if the kids in this generation had a choice to run away from Yiddishkeit, if it wasn't, if it wouldn't hurt and shock the people that they love, many, many more would be leaving than the, than the ones that are. And and then all all the people, these nice people, are making all these seminars and all these discussions about what to do. And we're going to bring in, we're going to fly in experts from you know some expert from from Australia to tell us why the kid is you know anything but the possibility that your Yiddishkeit should be something which excites your own children. Because of course that's too demanding, that's much too demanding. So people will blame the rabbis, they'll blame the yeshivas, they'll blame the school. Everybody's blaming, pointing fingers. What's happening to the kids? What's going on? And the point is. Not to close down. What are we going to do? Close down America? <laughs> we're going to shut down America? The things are out there. So then everybody comes out. No internet. We're going to shut down. The, you can't have internet. We're going to cl-. Listen. What are you going to do? It's a big problem with the internet. What are you going to do? It's everywhere. I'm not saying whether yes or no. You know. The, the same place that was screaming and writing letters that you have to shut down the internet uh, on the bottom of their stationery. It says, you know, uh, contact us and they give their website. Buy, <laughs> the, on their own stationery, they have their website. The same places that are screaming that the kids can't be exposed to the internet, they themselves are on the internet. So what are you going to do? The terrorist says, you know what, we have to shut down the internet. Or we're going to have to get, we're going to have to find all these nets and webs and, oh, web, no, web's the thing itself. And guards and protective things and, and a chenami, you know, people are at a loss of what to do. Why? Because the kids, the kids are hollishing for something. So what are we going to do? We're going to try somehow to close them, to shut, to shut these things down so the kids won't be exposed to them. It's a losing proposition. Lemaisi, you know. You listen, you do what you can, but it's a losing proposition. The only way to win as by Ralph Cook was saying, make Yiddishkeit more stimulating. It, means
1: it is the it is best thing to do that, but you're not, not going
0: to have it happen. To shut things down.
1: Thing
0: do to... Listen, listen, Avdavin. We're trying, okay. but you're not going to be. You can't do it. It's just too much. It's all, all over tomorrow. the place. Of course. So I'm not saying we shouldn't do the. We should do whatever we can. However, we have to try to insulate and isolate and protect a hundred percent. I'm all for it. <coughs> That's what we have to do. I don't give a thousand speeches about television. I don't talk about these things all the time. We have to, we, we try, but the bottom line is that if a kid is growing up in a world of Yiddishkeit that is completely lifeless, it's just a matter of time. Because, listen, once the kid is 15, 16, 17, what are you going to do? you Are going to hold him on a rope? Are you going to, where are you going? What are you reading? Where The kid has to go to the library to do a report. They don't have internet in the library. My kids in school tell me that they, you can look at any tomb in the library. Or, or, or a kid wants to go see books. He wants to go to some place to see a movie. They're not gonna go. They're gonna go if they want. They're gonna go. And if you talk to people in education about this, and they're going on the same old mahalak, and you say, you know what, I've said this. Thing. Why don't you learn with them a little bit of svas on the Get them cooking a little bit. It's not our Messiah, We don't have a Messiah. That's not our tradition. We don't do that. So it's okay. It doesn't have. So learn with them the the beer the gra and mishle. You got something against the Vilna Gon? Anybody? Ha- raise your hand if you're upset with the Vilna Learn the Vilna Gon on Mishle. It doesn't have to be a chastis to say. Learn the Vilna Gon on Mishle. They won't understand. You don't understand it. You never learned it. You don't feel it. I and mean, the children don't get it. And if the children aren't getting it, so then they're going to look for it someplace else. That's what they're the Rebbe said. Yeah, you close this down. You shut this off. You turn it down. All these things, you could try anything in the world. But the bottom line is, that if that kid is not getting his quota of excitement in Yiddishkeit, he's going to have to find it elsewhere. He's going to find it someplace else. And that's what's happening. And the parents don't know half the stuff that's going on behind their backs.
1: The problem is no different today than when mm-hmm. the American wrote about it. it no it's not true.
0: The problem is different. It's
1: just qualitatively different the quantitative difference. Absolutely
0: not. Quantitatively... it's Why did they all run away for the
1: reformers? Okay. Yeah. It was the same type of stimulation, it was
0: something there? <laughs> <inaudible> <inaudible> Therefore, you Yankel uh, is bringing a very good, very important point. Look what happened in Europe, Taki. Because it wasn't all this rhetoric We know that in Europe, in every family there was somebody going off to the to the Bundists, to the Socialists, to the Zionists, right? In those days, there was something. In, they, were, they were losing a lot. They were losing a lot of the fever, right?
1: <clears throat>
0: so what was happening? So. Now you know uh, I, I, I'm definitely prejudiced because uh, I'm, I'm a Chassid. I try to be. How did it happen? when The Bais Shmote came. When the Bais Shem HaKodesh came, and the Talmud of what happened? That when the course within the course of 30 years, two thirds of the of the Jews of Europe went after the Talmud of
1: because he was something new, he was something stimulating. That's but it. The next generation Then it
0: happened again. But listen, but to a lesser degree, to a lesser degree, it's kiyadur. Kiyadur. If you, if you now, if you go to all, if you, if you see what the yesh, in the yeshivas, if you see who are the, who are the Jews that are still Orthodox. I'm not saying this stam. I'm careful about saying this. A large percentage of these are coming from Hasidic Yemen originally. Originally, of the Ashkenazim, I'm saying, come from Hasidic Yemen. And even the Litvisha themselves, even the Litvisha themselves, were moide. They admitted that when it came to the Haskalah, that the Chassidim, when the when the Tzemach Tzedek came to Vilna, The Tzemach Tzedek came to Vilna, the city of Vilna, where, where they managed. And was, the Tzemach Tzedek was Balpiner's grandson. Remember, the Balpiner was the one who was thrown into jail, right? He. The, this is the main enemy of the Misnagdim, the Tzemach Tzedek. So the Tzemach Tzedek, when the Tzemach Tzedek came to Vilna. He received a hero's welcome. There would have been a mayor that would have given him the key to the city. And all the G'doylei Vilna, the Gaine Vilna, were themselves to him like children in Chayda to, 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 to their Rebbe. They were themselves to the Samar Sadek. How could that be? It was a, it was a short time later. It's a couple of years later after the whole Mulchama. What happened? One of the tirutsim is is that by that time, the Haskala had the Enlightenment, the Reform, had made such unbelievable inroads, especially into Russian Lithuania, which was the seat of the cold intellect, right? They had made such inroads into that world, that by that time in Vilna, that Tzemach Tzedek was the hero. Aside from the fact that in his learning, uh, everything else, that they were absolutely overwhelmed by his greatness. But he was the hero. He was the hero. The Arach HaShulchan would have become a chassid of his. And the Arach went to Mamash like a chassid to a The Arach HaShulchan, the Vardik Why? Because that Tzema was the hero. Because he was what? He was fighting a war against the Enlightenment. And the war that he fought against the Enlightenment, against reformers, not only with letters and with speeches. It was, you know, how? With screaming and yelling, a Yiddish kite, bringing, trying to bring back that way of the Baal that you're absolutely right. After two, after a couple of generations, it started to die. And that, that fire of the Baal because the Baal came to stimulate, to excite. That's exactly what, that the Baal came to wake the Jews up. To wake Yidin up. He didn't come to say something that was never said. But he came to wake Jews up. And it wasn't only to wake somebody up who's able to hear a fancy thing, to hear a shagasai or a ksais. He came to wake up even the simple Jews, the multitudes, the simple yidn. The b'shem tovah came to wake them up. How do you wake up a Jew? With a maizam, with a rikun, with a story, with chesidus, with a vayda. You wake up a Jew. But then afterwards, it get again. Because anything, when that's the way it is in the world. The revolution is always exciting. The problem is what happens after the revolution. Right? Everybody, any any... Any idiot takes part in the revolution because it's like you know the riffraff will we'll join in because it's a lot of fun because people always like to have some cause that they get angry about and scream and carry banners and fight and yell. What would happen if there be no if there be no causes in the world? People would kill each other because they're seeking stimulation. They want to fight. They're looking for something. So Baruch Hashem, there are all these different causes in the world. So you get some you get some person that is like you know. He's worried about what's happening in Puerto Rico. This is the whole chiyas, you know, what happens in Puerto Rico. Or what happens in this place. And you know, the screaming and yelling, you know, that there's, that there, 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 there's somebody that's, that's, uh, you know, what's happening, what's going to be in Taiwan. So you have somebody, some kid in college, that his whole chias is what's going to happen in Taiwan. The second you take him to, to Taiwan, he's says, get me out of here. You know? But his whole chias is he's going to help and he's going to do this. People are looking for something. So the next generation, after the, after the beginning, the fire of the revolution of Xiz, this, are 100% right. That's what happened. And it started, and that's it. Started that fire. Started to quiet down, and that's why. That's what the Kotsker came and was screaming about. That's what was the Kotsker screaming about. What we're learning now in Chassidus, the Yidak Kodesh What were they screaming about? In our times, when I say our times, in the this, this, well, it's not this century anymore, but, uh, our century, right? In the twentieth century, Reb Baruch, in Yerushalayim, Reb Baruch His father wasn't a rabbi. His grandfather wasn't a rabbi, right? Reb Roth. You heard of him? Well, Rabbi Aula came. Rabbi Aula came to Yerushalayim. He was in Hungary. He, came, uh, he started this in Hungary. And he said, must speak. This is not the Chassidim that was talking about anymore. And in Hungary already. In Hungary. <coughs> he began to gather around him. He began to gather around him. Chassidim. That we're looking just for someone who what, who has the right yichas. It's not just a question of your family. But what, but are you talking the language of the Balshamtov? And Rabbi Aula was. <coughs> and Rabbi was. And you know the the the, the Breslov Hasidim. So sure, even the other Hasidim say, "What's the matter with those guys?" <laughs> because it's, because you know what? It's real chassidim. Why is it that why is it that the Misnagdim even now Misnagdim don't mind so much the uh, Hasidim? Right now, there's uh, what is this? It's not much of a anymore. So the Misnagdim they don't care as long as the Hasidim are like them. But what makes them nervous about Chabad and Breslov is that those are real Hasidim. That gets them scared. Now when I say about Chabad and Bresla, I'm not talking about any of the fringe groups. Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about anything political because that's not my my lashing. But I'm talking about what well, I'm talking about that when when you have Chasidim, that they're not they're not embarrassed or they're not embarrassed to say that the, the, the Tachlis of everything is the Teres of Hashem and Chassidim for three hours a day and with the Rikudim and the dancing and the screaming and the yelling and Tabrengening and the all so th- those Chasidim, the Mestadim get nervous about because that's already that's already the real thing. You understand? They Don't mind the chassid that, that is in yeshiva and just learns the way that they do, except the guy goes in long pants. How, how long can you how, how how upset can you get about how a guy looks? I mean, it can bother you for a week. How long can you get upset about a guy's clothing? After a while, it doesn't bother you anymore. So he has he has long clothing. He, you know, he he wears knickers. He's got long side locks. I mean, how long can you get upset about that? That's not the miznagim don't have problems with those chassidim. It doesn't bother them at all <clears throat> because they're just like us. Just like us, except. Except, you know, so I fall asleep over, I fall asleep over this safer. he falls asleep over at night after he eats Friday night. That doesn't worry any, that doesn't worry a misnagid. What worries a misnagid is when there's, is when there's a chassid from the old style of chassidim. From the old style of that gets them nervous. That's different. That's different. This is the very beginning. So you're 100% right that there was a difference, example. Well, the difference is what was, there, what was out there. And you're right. Many of the young people, and that's what Rav Kook was talking about, in Rav Kook's generation, what happened to the Voloshni Yeshiva? In Velozhin you had a collection of some of the most brilliant Jewish minds in the world. In Velozhin. How they all ended up in Velozhin is a parallel. But they ended up in Velozhin. So the same yeshiva that produced the netziv, that, that that was run by the netziv, that produced Rav Kook, produced Charnach and Bialik. Bialik wasn't a genius. Bialik was a genius. His heart was, he was looking for poetry. Rav Kook was looking for poetry. Right? And look what Rav Kook found, look what Bialik found. And then they became friends again, right? In the end, Rav Kook was on him and spoke to him, and, and they came back together in Yushalayim But they were both—they were both by the Nitziv. Look what happened in Slabodka. In Slabodka, so there you had the altar from Slabodka, grace of the altar from Slabodka, a tzaddik, right? He understood. He understood. He had a collection of geniuses. Do you know who he had in Slabodka? The people he was dealing with in Slabodka, the minds he had there—Rav Aaron Kotler, Rav Yaakov Kavanetsky, Rav Rudiman, Rav Hutner geniuses, Shabbat geniuses they all collected there and, and if not for the altar he knew that Rav Aaron Cutler he knew and they, and they said over afterwards that if not for the altar from Slobodka these would have been leaders of communists of socialists of who knows what and that's what happened to some of them from Slobodka that didn't stay connected to the altar that whatever went off geniuses people that were looking for something Bialik wasn't searching for something he was looking for something these were people that were searching they were looking so if cook found that he found it in the in the learning he found not everybody found it in the learning but he found it in the learning and he found it in his avoid in whatever of was so you're right in the last generation in the last generation, the young people were looking for so look what happened so they started to make they started to have besiakas for the girls they started to have for the girls what happened all of a sudden my high that until that time you didn't need to have yeshivas for the girls right Every girl will stay home with a mother or the grandmother should be a nice, a nice Jewish girl. Now, now, we need to have, we need to have schools. The Chavis Chaim wrote about it, The Chavis Chaim spoke about it. The Gera Rebbe joined in, right? So with the exception of the Hungarian and some Galicia, some Galicia, uh, Galicia and with the exception, everybody said look, we have to have in Germany, in mo, mo, much of Poland, all of Lithuania and Russia, we have to have the, the girls have to go to school. What changed? Why the girls have to go to school? Because they're exposed. They're exposed to Russian literature. They're exposed to the news. It was changing already. And therefore, they understood we have to give the girls something. We have to do something. We can't leave them like this. We can't leave them like this because if they're going to be left in this way, they're going to find it in Tolstoy. They're going to, they're going to look for it. They're going to look for it on the streets. They're not going to, and many of them did. You're right in the last generation. But to compare it to today, it's true. It's quantitatively and qualitatively. Because nowadays, it used to be, Rabbi Yaakov. it used to be that for, for a person who was seeking that kind of a thrill, self-concept, you have to be something of an intellectual, you know? You have to be something of an intellectual. To go to college in Europe in the 1920s, it wasn't like college nowadays. Nowadays, to go to college, the last thing a person is thinking about, a kid is thinking about to go to college, is a book. That's why I'm going to college when I create... There are some kids like that, you know? But generally speaking, generally speaking, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, looking, I'm looking for some fun. I'm looking for some excitement. All right, I got it. Listen, how many credits do I have to take? I got to take a certain amount of credits. Even nowadays, maybe I could take three credits in tennis. Another three credit, credits, like in you know, uh, basket weaving, or you know, um, mating habits of the uh, of the uh, 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 of
1: African tribes. No, no, that's because society's a little bit different. Went to medical school in Poland in the twenties. He was a serious guy because he had to stand at the back of the class, and he used to get his head beat up. So he was stimulated by the fact that he could just be there.
0: The university did not provide the kind of entertainment that it provides, and, and the kind of and the kind of uh, diversion that it provides nowadays. It's not only that. It's not only that. Any kid, any kid that turns on a television, within a half hour tops if it's an hour show, it's like that But within a half hour to an hour, it, it had to all happen. Every Anybody that writes any any script for any show knows that if you don't get the oil in within the first five ten minutes, you lost them. Right? They they turn the channel. At least when we were kids, you had to get up and turn the channel. (laughs) (laughs) The kid doesn't have to do that. He just and not only that, but now it used to be that there was only two five seven nine eleven. Now you have I don't know hundreds of stations. So
1: on the radio you could watch two shows at one time you could put the show in slow motion now I'm <laughs> yeah no you could put radio, but, was, you could radio, radio was radio was just this radical and okay so everybody's glued to Orson Wells,
0: and when and when I love Lucy came out my father said that you couldn't see my father said that you couldn't see a person in the streets there was, The was New York my father said the streets were empty because Lucy and, Lucy and Desi and then little Desi the streets are, the streets of Mamishville are, are empty because everybody's watching I love Lucy but you know what it's different by our grandfathers, it started already much more in the last generation, but by our grandfathers, great-grandfathers, if you were somebody that, let's say, university, to get some stimulation like that, that required, you know, you'd get a kid now to read. Look at the, uh, this is not, I'm not, this is not why I'm going make it. Look at statistics. Things are written about this. The average kid, how little he reads nowadays. Why? It's partial. Why is it? It's never partial. Of course, not, not only that, not only that, when you give a kid a book to read. So I know, listen, I'll tell you the truth. I taught, uh, years ago, I taught 12th grade English. I taught English. You talk to the kids nowadays. So the kid opens up a book, you give him this book, first thing he does, right for school give him a book. So let's say it's a it's a classic, you give him a book and he looks at this, first thing he says, he weighs it. <laughs> it's like Gary Nin, you know what I'm saying? It's like a piece of Kishka. He looks at this and says, I don't know. I don't know. And then the kid next to him looks and says, Don't worry, I get this there's monarch notes, there's Cliff notes. A movie. <laughs> a movie don't worry about it so the first thing is the kid the first thing is the kid weighs the book the kid weighs the book but he's got you know the, but the te- the, the, he has to read it he has to read the book it's assigned, and he has specific questions and it's not all it's, they can't get it all in the cliff in the monarchy he checks somebody do you have something on this maybe it's on the internet maybe there's something uh, a paper on this okay so he looks then he opens up the book right now this is a kid that, that his whole life he's watching a television after, after five minutes there's already been a beautiful girl. Every show has; it's got to have. There's already been some pretty girl. There's already been something off color. There's already been something exciting, right? It's not a question of plot development. What kind of plot? So, the, so, the, so this kid. He, so here he is. This is exciting. The first book he's ever read, right? Right. Until now, until now, all he's seen are magazines or comic books, right? So the kid opens up a book. He's read. He's struggled. He's struggled. He's he's wading his way through two or three pages. <coughs> He can't believe it. He says to his mother, and he closes the book, and his, his mother says, what's the matter? He says, I don't know, it's boring. There's nothing happening. Well, so the mother says, sweetheart, you know, the character has to be developed a little bit. Yeah, I'm reading it already for 10 minutes. <laughs> How long does this guy need to develop this guy's character? What kind of character development? Let's go. Let's get a move on it. Right? This is what's happening. So the kids are not reading. There are those that are stimulated by and then what are they looking for in the reading now? Right? But but if we had a choice when we were kids between a comic book and a book, what does this go? It's a choice. But so listen, these are the choices. So whether it's Spider Man or it's war and peace, okay. But look at the but the kids nowadays, the kind the way that their eyes are with the kind of stimulation they're being subjected to, the kind of stimulation it attacks them. It's so visual. Our grandparents didn't have that. It took a little bit it took it took some milachy. It wasn't like now.
1: No, no, no. What the Rebbe is saying is universally true throughout the generation. Well, it's
0: true because he wrote it then, also. Right,
1: yeah. but the point is, when the Yiddish theater came to your little village in Poland, everybody ran. Mm-hmm. When the circus came to town, everybody ran. hundred percent. The 100%. kids are doing crack, and then they used to do vodka. Right.
0: So, the, the, so you listen. You're hundred percent right. Therefore, they, therefore the Rebbe. Not that, it's
1: not that we're any worse today.
0: Therefore, the Rebbe. The Rebbe. No, but all I'm saying is that the chances of the chances. Don't things like that. The circus came once a year, or once every five years. Someone... The circus comes into your room every five minutes now. Amen. You're right. The Rebbe, the Rebbe was talking about the universal problem. I'm not arguing with that. The
1: kids the people who were devoted then and the people who were If you but think the... about raising your kid the way you think about running a business, then you're going to be Matsliak. If your kid is just uh, uh, an albatross around your neck that you have to work for, and you don't talk to the kid, and you don't do anything, you're not going to be much live. Okay. The greatest adventure my kid ever had, and which kept them on the road, is when I used to take
0: them back to some random Right, right. So, so you know, so the the the, the difference is, you're you're 100 right in what you're saying. The the the, the, the is that 50 years ago, 60 years ago, with a, with a, much less of a of a spiritual emotional <laughs> input, a kid was able to stay in the fold.
1: There was with a less, less of in the of club. Okay, that's what that's so what we're, we're talking just about. the bar,
0: but but what I'm really but, but you're 100 right. But for a parent to be passive these days and to only put in that minimal effort is not going to keep the kid because it's competing with it's competing with the kind of stuff and the amount of stuff that our grandparents grandparents didn't have to compete with. They had the circus. They had this. They had that. But what? But it was it was again it was not so available. And also remember that for for, for those for those Jews. There was something. There was something taboo about going to doing certain things and going to certain places. Which a lot of these things have fallen nowadays. They've fallen. So people can go to these things. Even religious a, a person who calls himself Shema Shabbos can go and and, and hang, he can he can participate in certain things that our grandparents or grandparents, maybe they would have wanted to. But they didn't dare. They didn't dare because it wasn't accepted. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't accepted. It was taboo. So you're right. The, t- the Rebbe was writing about this whenever this was in the 20s. Of course, it was a universal, a universal problem. That's why the Rebbe said that the, that, the, that the soul must have its quota then, and has it now. The difference is that I believe that the bar has been raised. We have to provide much, much more these days because there's much more that's out there that, to pull our kids away. So therefore, we can't be any more that kind of a parent that you know, just you know, uh, every every couple of months a good word you know, or like a, a, you know a, a couple of words. There has to be, and therefore. What they're talking about with the parenting and all of that, they're right. Something we have to do, we have to do more. We have to do more. Because it's not going to work. It's not gonna, it, what was in the past is simply not going to work. Because the kids got by in a minimal amount because there was a minimal amount of stimulation outside of the home and outside of the yeshiva. Right? There was a minimal amount. There was a much smaller amount of stimulation. So, but what, what the Rebbe's talking about is by Torah and Tefillah, by learning and by davening and mitzvahs with the hisraksis, with that fire, and where it can be. And 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 I and I believe with all of my heart that a Jewish salt would rather have a febrangin than the tumma. I believe it. I believe it. But if the kids are growing up the whole time hearing, ah, this is crazy, this is silly, what do you mean? They turn off the lights and they're singing Jewish songs So they're doing this, they're doing that. It's not, what does it mean? I don't know. I never saw these things, never heard of these things, never saw these swarm and so on. So you're wondering why is it that the kid listens to the music that he listens to? The music nowadays, the purpose of the music is to shock. Right? They're shocking the kids. The music is to shock. It's not, it's not to soothe. It's to shock. So, so what happens? The kids are listening to this shocking music and then, and then they come to yeshiva and they don't hear anything shocking in the Torah that they're getting. And it's crazy, but we have to keep up. I know it's crazy, but we have we to keep
1: we up. We keep up with music too. The, music, the Jewish music we hear today, if you say to listen to it, you're <laughs> shocked. But after, it's still keeping kids in line with Jewish music. Okay, so,
0: it lo- I mean, what seems to be Jewish music, it's not yeah. Jewish. But they try, and a It's just a matter of time, so I would go into that. You're 100% right. The business of music, and I've spoken about it very often, all the time. The Indian of music, it's Bichlal, not Jewish, but yeah, it's... it's
1: the didn't put out little graphic books on Jewish politics back in the 20s, but that's what you need today. And there's a greater degree of sophistication today in awareness of there's a problem. 100%. I mean, in the old days, you know, the father would go away, be drafted into the Russian army, and not come back for the next 20 years, come back once in a year I think parents of all other problems are more sophisticated today. I think the people are more sophisticated than dealing
0: with 100%. All right? You are one hundred percent right. It's one hundred percent true. But this is what the Rebbe is talking about. If the soul is if the soul is missing that stimulation, it's going to seek it elsewhere. That's what he says, self called self Now, what happens if the soul does not seek it elsewhere? a self called self, techla achas The person can become emotionally ill, he can become sick. If he doesn't get it anywhere, the stimulation, then the, then the person can become emotionally ill because there's something of the soul's needs of his most basic needs that's not being satisfied people are always complaining the Rebbe says people are always complaining what are they complaining about? people are always complaining I just put it in the other day it'll it'll make it through this shit people are always complaining where's my free choice? Where's my free choice? Where's my free choice? I'm a prisoner. I'm a prisoner of my desires. And of the desires of the world. I have no free choice. What can I do? What, what is good? What's disgusting? I, I just don't have a Bechir anymore. The Rebbe says, I'm no. You should know. The Rebbe says an amazing thing. He says, In order for a person to have free choice, in order for there to be Bechira, there has to be a human being that's making the choice. There has to be a Bechira. If there's no Bechira, there's no Bechira. What does that mean? He says He has to He has to be a bocher. He has to be himself who wants, who chooses. You remember last week we were talking about uh, being swept downstream by the river, river of public opinion. So the Rebbe says How could you be a bocher? How could you be a fighter? How could you be a warrior if you're not you? It's not you. So he says, she says, "heish, we have to be somebody that's distinct, that's separate, that has his own existence so that he can make his own choices. then he can want what he wants, and he can make a choice. But he says of him, Ish But if this person doesn't exist, haproti, individuated, individualized, knowing who I am and what I am and what I want and what I need if he does not have his own separate existence, if all he is is the member of a species, that's all he is. He's a human being. Or he's a, an Orthodox Jew. That's the species he is, But he, there's no separate, individuated human being. Then he says, So it's not shaykh that there should be a free choice. It's a that there should be free choice. How could he choose? He doesn't have his own individuated and separate and unique need or choice. Because who's going to choose? Because in his life, outside of what the Klal, what the Oilam wants, he doesn't want anything. He doesn't, there is nothing. Nothing exists for this person outside of what the island one, so what the people say, or what others say. So then he then he's complaining, I can't overcome my Yatsahara. In order for you to overcome the Yatsar, there has to cut called be an I. If there's no I, then how can you overcome the There's no I. You're just part of a group. You're just part of a species. So Mimela, certainly when the Yatshar comes, you're saying I can't make the choice against the what do you mean? There is no I to make such choices. Vistakal <coughs> He says, take a look at your own soul. Have you really drawn out from yourself the truth of who you are? Have you really tried to come to understand the truth of who you are? Are you a separate, unique, individuated person to yourself? Are you just a member of the species? Are you just another one? Just part of, you know, the humans. You're just a human being. Just like in the field, there'll, there'll be thousands and hundreds of thousands of blades of grass. And behemoths, so there's, there's, a, there's a, a monkey, there's another monkey, there's a dog, there's another dog, but there's, there's no separate unique, when it comes to a dog, the dog doesn't have an eye. There's no sense of self to be biker to make a choice, but the dog will stop and say, I'm tired of running after cars this way. Or I'm tired of, I'm tired of, you know, uh, of bringing my master his slippers. I have to choose something different. I have to I have to go off to the big city and find a different life for myself. There's no I. A dog is only a member of the. It's a, that's it. He has his chavri. He has his pieces, and He behaves according to what the whole chavri does. So the Rebbe says, you're having you're having problems with your yetsarar. You know, you feel that you can't. You feel that you don't have bechiru. You don't have free choice. My parents make me do this. My friends do this. Everybody and I can't. What am I going to do? Societies, the newspapers, the magazines, the television. I I I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. How could you say I can't? You don't. You never met the I. You never met I. So how could you say that? You know that that, that famous the Kuzkov and the Kuzkov said, "If I am I and you are you, then I am I and you are you. But if I am not I and you are not you, but if I am you and you are I, then I'm not I and you're not you." Right? Again, right? <laughs> if, if, if if I am I, and you are you, then I am I and you are you. But if I am you and you are I, then I'm not I and you're not you. Right, that's Kozka said. So <clears throat> when that when that when I, I mentioned before in shul when that when that young man when that young man came to Kutsk, and the Kutsk said, "What do you want over here? What do you look? What do you want?" So like, so he says, "I'm uh, so he says I'm, I'm looking for Hashem." So thought started screaming. He says, "He says, get out of here! What do you mean? There's no God doesn't exist in Warsaw. He came to bother me. I have enough problems over here with you. I don't need you." <clears throat> so I didn't know what to say. So. Then he said, Rabbi, the truth is I'm here to look for myself. So Nikoska smiled and said, oh, if you're looking for yourself, then you could stay here. Those are the people I'm working with. Don't tell me you're here looking for God. God's also over there. If you're looking for yourself, and of course Nikoska was saying that the self of the self is God. Of course that's God. But don't tell me you're looking for God. That's a a game. Well, the people looking for God, if you're looking for yourself... And that's not selfish. That's the, That's the most altruistic thing a person can do. But you can't overcome anything from the outside. If you only exist on the outside, you're part of the outside. How can you overcome the outside? Your existence is also outside. You can only you can only overcome the outside if you're inside. If you have an inside world, then you can contend with the outside world. But if you're just another member of the outside world, then how are you supposed to contend with that world? You're part of it. You're part of it, so that's what they're to be saying. Historical, not benavshicha. You might say, says Ata, Amitus atzmecha. Him ish prati Ata Are you, are you, are you just, are you a, your own separate person, or are you chelik min min? She could sumach me like a plant, like an animal. She bechol yishus or mar him. An animal is just part of a species. Rak mash yesh yesh bechol echad. Every single behem is the same as every other behem. It's the same as the min as the species. Bishulzer gam and here, by the way, Rabbi Say, here's where Darwinism, where evolution, was machriv, was part of the khurban of modern society. It was part of the khurban. not the whole reason, but it was part of the khurban. because it created with it created within man this feeling, this odd feeling that that I, I, I'm just part of a, of a species that has, and there's some scientific biological force that's controlling my life. Communism, well, I'm not a separate human being. There's what there are economic forces that are controlling my life. That's what communism is all about. There are economic forces that are controlling my life, and therefore, as a yachid, as an individual, I don't have an individual life. So what, what, what Darwinism accomplished in one, on one level, so communism came to orphan, the communism came on another level. Communism said, basically, is that you're not about Bechir. You're not about Bechir, why? Because there are economic forces that are playing into your life that are beyond your control. And therefore, look what, look what happened in communism. Communism took away the individual. Communism took away the individual. It stripped the individual of the eye. You have to, you have to just, it's the state. It's the state, right? It says, you know, 1984. It's the state. Or every single, every single person in China has to wear the same outfit and drive, and, and ride the same bicycle. Every single one. There's no I. So whatever, so that, that's what, that's what communism took away. It took away the individual separate self. Darwinism, evolution, said, that you are part of, there's a certain biological scientific process that's taking place. You're just, you're just, you just might as well go along with that, with that wave. with that, Because you can't stand up against it. It's going to happen eventually. So, in the mind of the, in the mind of the people, this was, this was all part of what was happening in modern times, was that loss of self. And at the same time, the growth of the city and the loss of the, of the farm and the village. At least in the farm and the village, you know, you had a mitzvahs. A guy he lived he lived in this village for with his family for five hundred years, he had him at sea He was a somebody. What happened when this somebody ended up in the big city? He was a nobody. And he learned very quickly that the only way for him to survive in the city was by being like everybody else. So he lost. These were all, this was what's happening. This is what was <coughs> happening, you know, in the nineteenth and twentieth century. This is what was going on. So there wasn't any more an eye. So who's gonna be a Balbachira? Who's gonna be Baiker? There's nobody to make a boicher. There's nobody to make a b'chirah. <coughs> Therefore what happens to people is that their will, their nitiyas, their inclinations and their desires are not free. They're not free to choose what they want. They must choose what other people are choosing. What the species is choosing. So the same way that the species must choose a certain place where they go to eat, Well, they must choose a certain way of reproducing. So too, they have to choose a certain kind of, uh, certain kind of, uh, lifestyle. That's just part of the species. It's just sophisticated, much more sophisticated than the, than than the animal that goes off to the, to the, uh, to the pond with all the other animals. So we have, it's much more sophisticated, but it's basically the same, it's the same idea. There's no, there's no un that's rebelling against, against this, uh, that whole, that whole, uh, river of public opinion. There's no I so we may have no free choice it's true people growing up nowadays without a sense of free choice the modern world in particular took away from the person that feeling of choice it, it, it weakened the individual sense of, of not because a human being doesn't have the strength everybody has the strength to, to overcome all of these things but, but he first has to discover who he is and what he wants and, who, and, and the emiss of who he is in Pneumius the deeper self and then he's be, he'd be able to, then he'd be able to contend with <coughs> that. Kind One of craziness that you see nowadays with the, the body piercing. Beforehand it was the body painting.
1: Now it's the body so it's piercing. A it's a pachad. It's, it's all it's all
0: in, in, in people to, or kids trying to be to, different to make themselves uh, their sense of eyes. Right, but look, but this is so sad because because what happens is that everybody's trying to make themselves different in the same way. This is this is the saddest thing of all. So in the 1960s, right, do your own thing. Be your own person, but every one of them dressed the same way and talked the same way. Every single one. That was the most rigid. It was the most rigid species you had to belong to. And if one of those guys felt like, you know, wearing a nice suit and getting a crew cut and being clean cut and and Christian, right? So then he was like, he was a third, you know, he's an outcast. So he doesn't understand. He said, this guy says, hey fell, fellas, my own thing is to wear a suit and to have a, a nice haircut and to be respectful to my parents. That's my thing. And I like to listen to classical music. That's my thing. So then, those people who were supposedly were f- were fighting against the establishment because they felt that what we have to be our own people, do your own thing, but you know what they were saying as long as your own thing is the same as ours, you're part of the have so all these people they get the second comes out with the body piercing the air the whole island, and all they're saying is man i'm seeking to be myself, and how come yesterday this wasn't part of yourself, and all of a sudden it became yourself because you because the, you're, 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 your friend next door uh, he decided that he's going to do that. So this is, you see, this is what's happened. This is the greatest tragedy of all. There was something very holy, you know, what was happening in the 60s. I believe there was a very harsh of a thing. There was an unbelievable kedusha to that movement. Ben mitzad the women that they were seeking, that they were seeking that that recognition, and Ben mitzad the kids. The kids that were fighting against the establishment, there was something very holy in that. But then, it was like Animal Farm all over again. So now the kids became the Balabatim. And all and all those and all those old those old revolutionaries and hippies. So now now they're now they're also, you know, wearing their three piece suits. Well that's no, not three piece, I don't know what they're wearing nowadays, but now they're also wearing their, their you know, whatever, their kaputtas and they go to work and they do their thing, like anybody else. <coughs> but there was something very precious. When I think back on those days, I I I, I feel scaval that there, it was there was something very special to that time. You know? The, pr- the protests and the and the yelling and the screaming and the, there was something to it. Why? Because people sofkosov soft, they wanted to have Bahiva. It was like I feel it was like that last gasp, you know, it was a Geisus like before the world died. Because after that, like already by the seventies, eighties, nineties already shined it's already I'll just get starving right? It's already finished. But there was that last kick in the sixties. There was screaming out. And 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 if someone understood what the kids were looking for Someone understood what the if you understood what the kids were looking for, so they were able to respond to that. And now, so now it's the self. I'm the selfish to be part of this, but the kids were looking for that.